0: Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Cool. That's good. Well, um, and also I think at Father's Day service, which is next Sunday. Can everyone say next Sunday? Yes. This is the last Sunday of August. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of September. It's going to be our Father's Day service. And uh, as uh, Day Spring was talking about, um, it's going to be a complimentary lunch after the service. So she was very, uh, very good at encouraging the dads to invite their children. But also children... Um, invite your dads as well and uh, invite uh, as many people to come along. It's a special time. So um, we're also going to have a gift for all of the dads. And uh, the kids from a kids' church program are going to be doing a particular performance to bless everyone. Um, and uh, we also have someone who is uh, sharing a testimony about their dad. So as well lots of special things on next Sunday, apart from also Leon Walter's um, for those of you who don't know, Leon is uh, not only a friend of the house, but a really, um, he's, he's a really—he's—he's got a gift of a spiritual father, and he's part of the Christian International Network. He's going to be one of the speakers, obviously, at conference. But every time he comes and ministers at Forever House, he always brings a prophetic word about the house. And so, I would like to encourage you not only to be here for Father's Day and all the special things that we've got on, but also to strategically be here to hear that prophetic word. He's prophesied over this house. Um, probably at least six or seven times um, in total. And uh, this is a very strategic time. I'm going to be talking about this in this message today. Um, And so I see next Sunday being the first Sunday of spring. It's a brand new season in the natural, but I think it's also going to be a day that will represent um, a new release of the Father's heart in this house, um, but also a, a new sense of birthing of things that are brand new. Um, particularly when it comes to the anointing and the purpose and the call of what this house is uh, is is purposeful. And so uh, I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. I think it's going to be on multiple levels a very powerful strategic time corporately as a church community for us to hear what God is saying um, about our future. So hopefully we'll see you there. Um, okay, so we're going to continue with our series um, on atmosphere. And um, I'm gonna do something a little bit different today. Um, I don't know if the lighting, um, I didn't really talk to the AV team, I'm not sure if the lighting's gonna be great, so we might, yeah, that's perfect. Let's give the AU team a round of applause. How quick did they organize that? That's awesome. All right, so I wanna kinda of come down here today, is that all right? Yes. Yeah? I Good, I only, I didn't just put deodorant on, I also have cologne on. So I've got the double anointing today, amen, and uh, today I want to bring, let's just see what God does, I've kind of got a stool here, I might put it over there, and I've got the laptop here, and I'm kind of, I wanted to more just hang with you uh, today as we bring some teaching, and we're finishing, you can see on the screen, we're finishing this teaching series called Atmosphere, which is the same theme as the conference, so really the theme of Atmosphere even continues from today, and uh, Dominion Conference is Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. We're holding it at Life Place Church, which is uh springwood. Has anyone driven down the highway and you see that flashing light? Right, you would all know what I'm talking about if they've ever driven towards IKEA. It's got a flashing light there saying Life Place Church. So that's where we're having the conference at. Um, and so I think the night sessions start at 7 p.m. All night sessions are free. Can everyone say free? Uh, and that means not only do you want to encourage you to take advantage of the night sessions being free, but also invite as many people as you can um, who, who are in a season and want to be blessed. Uh, but this theme of atmosphere is the theme of the conference as well, and I think it was strategic of Pastors Thomas and Sandy. It was their idea to do this whole month of August under the theme of atmosphere to build up towards the conference. So who's expecting something great at the conference? It's going to be amazing and, uh, you know... Just this week, as we go into the message for today, um, I'm going to pray, but I want to let you know that Sarah and I had the great privilege to go away without our children. We love our children very, very much, um, but we're able to um, ask our amazing grandparents, well, not our grandparents, but our children's grandparents, Greg and Julie, to look after our two beautiful girls for three nights so Pastor Sarah and I could go away and really seek the Lord. Um, in the mountains, um, Savannah kept asking Greg and Julie, "Where's Mummy? Where's Daddy? In the mountains." <laughs> <laughs> so we got to go away and seek the Lord. And so let's pray. I'm just going to ask if the team could just close the back door for us. I just uh, sometimes I just find that distracting, um, just personally. So so I can focus in ministering today. That'd be great. Let's let's uh, close our eyes, bow our heads. And ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be on this time right now as we're together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the worship this morning. Lord, you move powerfully. We thank you, Lord, for just this moment right now together for the next 40 minutes where we um, feed off your word, we feed off your anointing. Holy Spirit, fill this place with your sweet presence. I'd ask, Lord, that you would um, encourage people, open people's hearts, up this morning to receive your goodness, your grace, to receive good teaching, instruction, direction, revelation, through your word and via the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for you are here with us as we learn together in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. so, um, I'm believing for a new anointing because I do have a bit of growth. Uh, some people might call it a beard. I'm not sure if it's quite graduated to a beard yet. I'm the mountain man, am I? I love that. Yeah. So, you know, hair represented anointing for Samson and um, I'm believing for maybe some special anointing today. So maybe just open up your mind and <laughs> let's see. Uh, you know, Sarah actually likes it. I know some people, you know, they don't like it. And that's cool. Um, but I'm really enjoying it right now. So you might notice me playing a little bit with my beard. Just kind of little, I haven't groomed it yet. There's little bits that kind of go into the left and the right, so I'm kind of winging them in with my hand. It's awesome. Anyway, I need to get on to the word. Do you think that's important? Uh, so atmosphere part four, um, I wanted to start this message by connecting it to not only the theme of atmosphere, but the strategy or the purpose behind this message. And that is, you know, recently Sarah and I, when we were away for three days, we were um, obviously seeking the Lord, but we watched um, a message from Jane Hammond, who's another minister at Christian International, um, who we love and respect very much. Um, and she just spoke candidly about, you know, the number of 2000, the year 2019 and what the number the number nine represents. And a couple of things that she shared is that nine represents, when you study the scripture, uh, it represents the Holy Spirit because there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, There are nine Beatitudes. um, There are nine fruits of the Spirit. And so the number nine represents the Holy Spirit, but particularly it represents intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And so when we're talking about the theme of atmosphere, I wanna encourage you to again awaken to the truth that God is moving in our lives. He is wanting to bring greater levels of intimacy uh, with you and Him in this season. And He's wanting to draw you closer to His heart. Um, And I believe that it's important for us to be aware or awakened to that. I know a lot of you uh, over the last couple of months have sensed that personally. We're getting a lot of personal testimony from people. The worship team is sensing that God is encouraging the music and the worship as we corporately worship together, seeking more intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Uh, But this is a time right now where the Lord is wanting us to deliberately uh, look for, knock at the door, and to want and to desire greater levels of intimacy with Him Uh, nine also in 2009 represents some other things that Jane Hammond shared and nine represents seasons or a season of transition and birthing and when you think about transition transition means things are shifting they're changing sometimes they get shaken Um, positioning for a birthing which is new things a new thing and she candidly shared because she's obviously a mother who has given natural birth to a couple of children. Um, She talked about how, you know, when you actually give birth, uh, it isn't always, well, even if you're pregnant and you're positioning to give birth or um, getting ready to to give birth, it becomes uncomfortable, particularly at the latter stages of the transition And, uh, you know, she was joking about that. But I know that a lot of us, even as a church, we have talked about we're in a season of change, we're in a season of transition, and it hasn't necessarily been comfortable. But I think what God is trying to say through this revelation is that's okay. That's normal that we feel uncomfortable during a transition. But understand that there's a purpose behind the lack of comfort, and that is God is wanting to bring a new thing and put your focus on, you know, the faith that you have in God that he's going to bring the new thing. And I think he's already starting to bring the new thing. Next Sunday is a brand new season. It's the season of spring. And and so, you know, when we're seeking the Lord, he was talking to us about, you know, the understanding of the time, the understanding of the season, um, so that when we're seeking him, it can start to reduce and remove confusion that may prevent us from really seeking the Lord and getting clarity, because sometimes confusion is frustrating, who knows that? Uh, And so um, what's interesting is that uh, uh, more that we were seeking the Lord over these three days, that we were seeking God, not just about this transition season, but we were seeking God for fresh vision. We're going into the presence of God saying, God. We want new vision. But even before that, we said, God, we want a new touch of you. We want a new revelation of who you are. We want a fresh outpouring of your spirit into our lives. And, uh, you know, I can stand before you and tell you that uh, Pastor Sarah and I have actually had recently personal revival in our own lives. And uh, it's just so good, so good, Uh, so freeing and so uh, like, Oh, fresh is probably a great word. Um, And so it's been really fun, actually, um, seeking the Lord and saying, God, now because we've got this personal revival in our own lives and our love for you, um, we're excited to hear what is the new uh, vision, refreshing, because did you know that Forever House is actually in its ninth year? Hopefully you, you caught that and then I was talking about nine. But we as a church are in our ninth year going into our 10th year. And 10 represents not only closure and uh, perfection, but it represents transformation. Um, And so be expected and excited that as a church, we're going to go into a brand new season of, you know, I believe purpose and equipped to see God transform lives. Um, and so, <clears throat> when we sought the Lord, I just, you know, this message today, I'm, I'm wanting just to set the scene here, and then we're going to go into some teaching. Um, we'll, we'll understand in a moment, but I want to whet your appetite a little bit. Uh, as part of this transition period, over the month of September, probably even more so, because we've got conference in September, we've got the men's and women's event, but as we go through the month of September, but as we particularly come into the month of October, um, we are going to start to uh, meet with our our leaders and uh, meet with the wider church, and we're going to start to communicate to you and also collaborate with some of our leaders around what this new vision looks like. We feel that God is saying it's important for us to more clearly define and articulate our vision, our purpose, what is on this house. What is it that God wants us to do? Um, who knows that uh, one local church can't do everything? There are so many needs out there. And when look, one local church tries to be everything to everyone, who knows that that uh, usually uh, negates its power. And so there's something where the Lord, when you pull aside of the Lord, the, the Lord really wants to encourage you to not try and be everything to everyone, but really, and not try to look, you know, we've, we were listening to so many prophetic words over there, the the nine years, but we also got prophetic words in preparation for launching forever house. So we were probably listening to prophetic words over a period of 11 years um, when we are away for these three days this week. And so many prophetic words, it kept encouraging us, do not look at the church down the road. Do not look at the church across the street and try to copy, to try to uh, use it as a template. Understand you can glean and learn from different ministries where there's fruitfulness, but to be encouraged that God wants to give you the confidence to pursue your unique core, your unique flavor, um, and to be secure in that, to be okay with that. And so, because of that, I want to share with you to whet our appetite because we are going to, um, in the next, you know, say two, three, four, five months, we're going to get a lot more strategic in starting to communicate precisely. Uh, what is that call? and What does that look like? So as a team, as a family, as a community, we can be equipped to unite, to walk out that call in this new season of clarity and impact and influence. So to whet your appetite a little bit, um, when we were praying for vision, one of the first things that we saw was is the call of worship on this house. Um, God is saying, you know, we've had so many, we've had Pastor Colossae come in recently talking about the river that God has created and that he wants to unlock that more. Um, but when we were praying, the Lord said that the worship in this house is going to be very much strategic and purposeful for a reason, um, that God wants to uh, release a level of power and a level of anointing on the worship to break the yokes of bondage off people's lives. And uh, we saw people, particularly uh, broken people, coming to this house and in the atmosphere of worship, that the anointing and the power of God would be purposed for Starting the journey of breaking things miraculously of people's lives. And so breaking the yoke. And when you know, when we were talking about this, I kept seeing a vision of, you know, what Pastor Colossae, who recently visited us, was talking about the river a lot. I just kept getting the word river, and I kept seeing river, river, and, and just the river of God being a key that would hold the anointing, but also would be a key to see people uh, become saved, and that there'd be uh, people who, who all walks of life, whatever type of brokenness they are gonna come, and they're gonna come and be saved, not just from darkness, but also saved and released from the bondages and the yokes that have been on their lives. And um, what's interesting is when we think about um, even the time of prayer, Pastor Sarah and I were, um, you know, obviously hanging out with the Lord. And when we were listening to a lot of the prophetic words, the prophetic words we're talking about, um, and I want you to understand this because today I'm going to be talking about the anointing, and I'm going to be talking about the importance of unity to build the anointing and to release the anointing so that it can do its work to break the bondages of people's lives and it can release the blessing of God. But so many of the prophetic words were encouraging, even personally, Pastor Sarah and I to come into greater understanding and revelation about why has God called us to be the head of this church? Why have? Why has God called us specifically to lead? You know this house, and the prophetic words are talking about. Um, you know, if you think about um, the the journey that we've. We both have, we have have very different journeys individually. Obviously, we're a married couple now, a united team, but my journey definitely represents um, God breaking bondages and yokes. And when I think about uh, the anointing that God um, has has used to move in my own life but has also put within my life to be able to give back to other people, um, the, the... I know that there's power uh, there. There's power um, to help to create an atmosphere. And it's not just about me, but it's about helping to uh, reproduce that in other people as well um, and to be able to lead a great church. What's interesting with Pastor Sarah is Pastor Sarah was raised as and still is a minister's daughter. And Sarah has never known gross sin, whereas I can tell you I have. (laughs) Um, And thank God I've been set free from that. But my wife, um, her anointing, there's many facets to it, but one particular part of Sarah's anointing um, is is purity. And when I was praying, the Lord said, uh, I want you to have a greater depth of understanding around why I've called you to lead this house with this particular purpose, to create an atmosphere, um, and part of that will be worship, ushered through through the music, to create an atmosphere of an anointing that breaks the yoke of bondages of people. Because when you, when you look at the power of God, miraculous power of God, but also you look at the power that is in purity, um, without getting too off the side of the track, when you look at even uh, when Jesus was first conceived, it took the power of the Holy Spirit, but it also took the purity um, of Mary to start to conceive even Son of God. Now, I'm not trying to brag and of ourselves because we're imperfect people and imperfect leaders, but what I'm trying to share is that we have personally had to go into a place where God said, I need to teach you who you are and why you're called to lead this house. Because it first starts with identity, who knows that, in the kingdom? And yes, we're confident people, and you know we've seen God do things, but to be honest with you, we've felt a little bit confused around, well, okay, we've been doing this for nine years, and we've had some amazing great things, and we've had some disappointments as well, but why ask God? Well, what's the why behind what we're doing? And for us, we really needed God to explain that to us in a new way. And the great thing about that is that that's a blessing for everyone because when the appointed leaders have clarity not just of what to do but more importantly why, then it helps to then build an atmosphere of unity and expectation and excitement because then we're positioned to be able to more powerfully clarify and communicate the vision that is designed to be then imparted into your heart and we work together as a team to carry the vision and walk it out. And so I want to encourage you that um, this is a great time where I think God is building an atmosphere with the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit carries with him mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of God. And when you go into the presence of the Lord, he wants to unlock new revelation. Not just about himself, not just about his plans and purposes and his words, but specifically about who you are in him and what your calling is and what your purpose is. And who knows that when you combine spending more time in the Lord's presence and also having a fresh understanding around who you are and why you are a Christian and what you're called to do, who knows that that makes life a lot more exciting. And you get out of, the doldrums of just doing what you're doing from a sense of duty and you're now, your purpose is sharpened. And when I think about my journey uh, I, I am that person who came into the house of God who came under the, the anointing of powerful worship um, that was just undone all of the chains were undone in the presence of God Um, and so when I've been getting revelation that God wants to put that particular purpose on this house, can I just be honest with you, it just makes me want to cry in a cool way, in a joyous way. It's just such a fresh sense of understanding what's this whole reason why we're doing this. And so I wanted to let you know that that's a big part of personal revival for us, and also, you know, Sarah has had words recently about that uh, her voice, her message. Um, what I love about Sarah is that she's probably the least judgmental person I know. She's such a woman of grace, um, and I thank God every day that I married her because I need grace for my wife. <laughs> um, but you know, <laughs> see, she's a woman of agreement. And um, but what's cool is that. Um, you know, I have experienced living in gross sin and I know what it feels like to be shackled by that. And I know the desperation of of the heart when you want to be undone out of that. And I know the only thing that can do it is the power of God. Um, and, what I'm going to talk about it, and also the renewing of your mind. But knowing that my life partner strategically is someone who's had a different journey and can bring different elements of the anointing um, from a place of um, purity and a place of of grace and a place of, of, um, to be honest with you, not naivety. My wife definitely is not naive. She is switched on. But there is a there is a portion of innocence about her heart and spirit that that brings power. And the Lord has showed us that when you combine those two together at the head, it can, can then with God and us being obedient, us not trying to do it in our own strength and trying to do it in our own flesh, us staying in the spirit, us making that the priority, us not trying to look at different church templates and just use that as the plan, but to actually get the unique voice of the Lord about this house and being in obedience, then it can bring such a release of um, an understanding of purpose. And then the anointing is designed to go from the head, which starts obviously with God, um, down through the leaders and then to impact and bless and touch the people, to mobilize them and to unite them. (laughs) to see people go from brokenness to blessing. And uh, is this okay so far? Yes, right. You can see I'm just, I just—I really feel just to share um, this morning. And uh, and so, you know, also part of the vision is that, you know, it, the worship will bring the anointing and the river for um uh, the other thing, too, I didn't mention about Sarah was because there's, there's a generational blessing on her life. Um, you know, her parents, her parents' parents, um, that the whole family. Um, there's uh, a breaker anointing there that I think is part of the anointing um, that wants to carry through and bless this house. Um, and so, the, can everyone say the word river? River. You know? So a big part of just giving you a a taste test is that a big part of the vision is that God wants to utilize, keep building, but utilizing the river in this house, particularly through worship and music, to bring an atmosphere of breaking uh, bondages and breaking the yoke. But the other thing too is the teaching and the discipleship to renew people's minds. Who knows that you need to renew your mind to see full transformation of things of God. And so the teaching and the discipleship Um, the word I got partnering with river was another word starting with R, which was renewal, renewing the mind to bring the transformation that that this house is called to transform lives. This house is called to see people go from brokenness to blessing and that we have to be okay that messy, smelly, broken people come through the doors. Because thank God. Because then they can come into the presence of God and they can go on this journey of God moving and touching their lives. But who knows that it's not easy work, right? And it's not clean cut and it's messy all that type of thing. And so this third word I got was the word road, that this house is going to create a journey for people. To go from brokenness to blessing. Um, so the river, renewal, and creating a road, a journey for people—that's a taste test of the other thing that we've been getting so much of. You know, we were driving to the mountains. I hope Steve doesn't mind me saying this, but we had a moment where you know we were worshiping the Lord as we we're approaching the entrance, kind of about ten minutes before the place where we stayed, and. We we're just worshiping the Lord, and we started talking about um, transformation of lives. And Sarah just started weeping and talking about ever since a little girl, she's always had a heart for missions. And over the three days, we uh, just kept getting so much uh, insight into this house isn't necessarily called to be fixated and focused. On defining success or fruit in terms of numerical numbers but this house is more called to focus its success and fruitfulness and purpose on the level of impact and influence it has in transforming lives and we know that in the book of Acts when people gathered with the spirit of God and they were in unity You know, people were added to the numbers. So it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bring people in and grow. But there is a freedom in not putting the focus on that the only sign of success or fruitfulness behind your purpose as a church family is just trying to build numbers, right? Because I think it shackles people into a place of striving. And so the Lord has said, that's not how you define your fruitfulness anymore. And to be honest with you, for many seasons, we never did. Um, but we had a recent season when we, we felt to, to kind of do that, to swing the pendulum. And we, we taught that we're not gonna swing the pendulum like fully that way. Um, we're gonna swing it a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, I had moments where I kind of went into striving, right? And um, as a senior pastor, when you are relying on more your kind of um, your mental capacity for strategy to build the house, and not so much on the spirit of God and the word of God and hearing the voice of God. You go into personal striving mode, and who knows when you know you're trying to build anything in God, and you're in striving mode. It's you know usually not fun, <laughs> and it's not as fruitful, right? Who knows that? And so God's encouraged us that you know we need to be okay with defining the fruitfulness. Of the purpose of this house is more about influence, impact, and that means that beyond seeing lives being transformed here, that's one level of fruitfulness. Seeing lives being transformed called cool. great, but also when we look at missions, the Lord has said, you know, the missions work that we're going to do, there's going to be some level of it expressed locally, where we we've been getting clear vision that this house is going to buy and the. Um, Resourced with actual homes that we're going to fill broken men um, and have programs. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna get there. <laughs> Sarah's obviously passionate about women. <laughs> and broken women. And uh, and and bring transformation through those types of programs. I mean, we've had snippets of this vision throughout the, the nine-year journey, but it's it's coming to a season where God's saying, These are things I want to focus on. Even also exciting is is going to other nations and seeing, um, raising up teams here and training them in the power of God uh, to prophesy, to preach, but also to teach, to train, even in the practical things and going into nations. The Lord's even said to us, you know, wisdom would say, first partner with other people that are doing that already well. Um, because it's got to be well-planned, and then as you grow and learn, then you can start to maybe look at doing your very own thing. And so we've been doing research about, you know, ones that are already well-established that are like mine, like hard. And so that's really exciting, because we see people in this house being raised up
1: under this atmosphere
0: of power, of, of uh, you know, yokes being broken, and also going to different countries and teams and doing missions work Um, And not only seeing people get saved and feeding people a fish, but then also helping to teach people to to fish for themselves and to to, to actually uh, train and equip local people in those nations to be able to do works of God so that something gets established there so that as people continue to come and get saved and set free, there's something there that's established to continue the work of God. Is there anyone here who's excited about that? That That's cool. I'm very excited. You know, we're obviously, we want to invite you on the journey with us. Um, And so, uh, let me see here. Yeah, a healthy, strong church, not measured in just numerical growth, but in levels of power and impact and influence and the transformation of lives. The other thing God said is that he wants uh, also for the work that this house is called to do through the power of God, and the revelation of God. He wants the story to get out there. And all the prophetic words of monyers, media. You need to communicate, you need to let people know what God's doing, you need to get it out there because people will also be impacted by the testimony, by what actually God's doing and start to bring personal revival to people's lives even by seeing the personal revival in the lives of others, and so uh, this is all exciting. And so I wanted to share that um, because vision, new vision, new defined vision, a new clearer purpose based on who we are and the anointing. Can everyone say the anointing? Uh, is is brewing, people in us, and we're going to start what we already have, uh, write, 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 and collaborate with our leaders to get everything clearly defined in writing, uh, which helps to then empower our greater church family to cash it, be equipped by it, and we can work together. And so because of that, I want to share a little bit about um, this scripture, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, because in terms of vision and an atmosphere, that's important to see a vision come to pass. An atmosphere of unity is so critical to seeing a, a family mobilized to see vision come into play. And so, um, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. If you've got your Bibles, um, you can turn now. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Great, it's on the screen. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So it's because of the anointing that God places on us and on this house. Everyone say the anointing. Yeah. The, anointing. the anointing breaks the yoke. And part of our purpose is to see the yoke on people's lives. Bonded is broken um, and people set free. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about what is the anointing that breaks the yoke in Isaiah ten Let's understand this a little bit. Um, in this context, God begins, if we look at previous scriptures, and we don't need to go there, but because um, I'm going to do the teaching. it God begins to speak about Assyria, um, a people raised up by himself to bring judgment to the people of Israel for having turned away from the Lord. So, Judgment came on the people because they turned away from the Lord. We know that when people are in darkness, when they're turned away from the Lord, there is a curse upon, and they need to come into the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to shift from brokenness to blessing. Who knows that? Come on, who knows that? Um, and so this Old Testament here can give us understanding that um, a people was raised up, an enemy of God's people was raised up. Um to bring judgment to the people of God, for they were turned away from, for they turned away from the Lord. And um, Isaiah chapter 10 verse five says, "Woe to Assyria the, sep- the scepter of my wrath, the rod in his hand in the instrument of my wrath. But God would also then bring upon Assyria, uh, because Assyria was a wicked, evil, kind of haughty people, very proudful, um, prideful, sorry. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Lord has finished all his work in Mount Zion. Can everyone say Zion for me? And in Jerusalem. Then he shall punish the arrogance of the heart of the king of Assyria. So punish the enemy. So even because the people of God um, rebel from God, they go into a curse. We know that that's the reality of sin. Sin represents separation from God, from his presence, turning away from God. And that does bring people into a curse. We know that brings uh, death spiritually to people, which obviously is a curse. And so Assyria represents the enemy, represents the curse, but even though the people of God um, were lost and they were being impacted by this curse, first of all, God brings judgment against the enemy. Um, who knows that God uh, has brought judgment against the devil because his power has been broken because of the work of the cross? But in this Old Testament example, therefore it shall come to pass when the Lord has finished all his work in Mount Zion and Jerusalem, and then he shall punish the arrogance of the heart of the king of Assyria and the haughtiness of his eyes. And then it goes on in Isaiah leading up to chapter 10, verse 27. It says, the destruction of Assyria would signal the people of God that God would also fulfill the promises to restore Israel. And indeed, sometime after this, Prophecy, Assyria was defeated until it was totally under the claws of another great nation, Babylon. So what I'm still talking about here as we're leading up to the understanding of the anointing that breaks the yoke, is that uh, we understand that Jesus um, has destroyed the power of sin and death, destroyed the curse because of the work of the cross. So even though we know people are defeated out there when they're living in sin and they don't know God, they don't know Christ... The good news is that you and I, as believers, know there is an answer. There is a curse-breaker. His name is Jesus. So people are out there under a curse, but there is a curse-breaker. And we call that the good news. And so we carry this hope, this truth, this amazing uh, thing called the gospel. And then God, it goes on in Isaiah 10.20, it says, God then proceeds to speak of the future promise to Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and of the house of Jacob, which shall be saved. So he's saying people will be saved. He wants to bring people out of the curse, out of the brokenness, into blessing. He wants them to be saved. And we know that they're saved through the the price that was paid through the blood of Jesus. It goes on and says, uh, they shall dwell no more upon him that smote them, they shall dwell in the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So he's talking about that the people will go from the curse and they will no longer be uh, um, hemmed in by the curse or the enemy, but they're going to come into freedom in the Lord's house. Is anyone here still with me? Cool. And then what we need to understand here is that this is saying here in the near future on that day, there would be a time when Israel would turn to the Lord and lean on it, and no longer um, its alliances with the enemy. Uh, turning away from the Lord, um, you know, when they were relying on the enemy and they got entrapped, they were really into idols, right? So they didn't know God, they didn't worship God, they didn't love God, they're focusing on idols. And God would destroy the enemies of his people and set them free. Now, this is the key. Now, leading up to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, if we can put that scripture back up you, team. So understanding what is the anointing that shatters the yoke. What is the anointing that shatters the, the yoke? Um, Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. So we have them then, the next text of the analysis here we're talking about in this teaching is, and it shall come to pass in that day, right? So leading up to the scripture, the people rebel from God. So we're talking about the lost and they're under a curse being judged because the power of the enemy has control over. God says, I will curse the cursor. I will destroy the power of the enemy. We know that Jesus has done that. But also, I will take those people who are lost, who are enslaved, and I will bring them into a place of salvation. And then it talks about the strategy of how to do that. Everyone say how. Can I get everyone to say how again? How. Cool. And it's the scripture. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, his burden is the devil's burden, the yoke, the curse, that his burden shall be taken from off their shoulder and his yoke from their neck, and the yoke shall be broken because of the anointing oil. Let's read this version up here. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Can everyone say the anointing oil? Okay, so first we need to understand a couple of things here. Everyone say yoke. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the word yoke, uh, in those days, the yoke was actually a piece uh, that united oxen. It was a, like, a, like a cord um, that united oxen so that they walked, everyone catch this now, So they walked in the same step. It was placed around the neck of the oxen and allowed their dominator, everyone say dominator, to fully control the animals. To fully control the animals. The yoke represents the opposite to freedom. It represents bondage. It represents enslavery. It represents entrapment. It represents a curse. Uh, And so when we look at this uh, understanding of the yoke, so here God uses a language known to the people of the time uh, to show the people that they would have the yoke and charges on their neck for a while. That is, they would be dominated by the enemy. Who knows that there are people who are dominated and enslaved by the enemy out there? Come on, church, don't be afraid to talk back to me. Let's talk about the gospel right now. Is that okay? Okay. There are people out there in bondage because of addictions. There are people who are in bondage because of all these reasons. There are definite yokes in this day that people are impacted by. And we know the truth is is that when people come into the house of God, not everyone is always set free completely right there in one moment. Okay? Sometimes people have to go on a journey. Everyone say journey. Um, And we have to love them we have to give them grace. We also have to challenge them sometimes, right, to help them to allow the work of God to break them and set them free. We know that the work of the cross is finished. The blood of Jesus is a finished work. But who knows that when people are, are breaking out of bondages, it's not just the one-off anointing um, that does all of the work. Yes, it breaks the yoke, but who knows that we need to see them renewing their minds so they are not tempted to keep going back to that yoke and putting them back <coughs> over the next and going, oh, I kind of like this now. Get, oh, no, now I'm trapped. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone, say anointing <coughs> plus renewing of the mind equals transformation. Um, and I can tell you right now, that's been my journey. Um, the combination of those two things Um, And so we know that yoke represents bondage. Anointing, the Hebrew word is shemen, which means fat or means oil. Uh, And here it is used symbolically. It's translated as the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the bondage. Um, And it's translated as anointing. For in Isaiah, it, it seems to indicate that the victory of Israel... The yoke will be shattered would happen due to God's action, the Lord's strength, the anointing coming from the Almighty in favor of his people. Other translations translate it as fat, indicating that the meaning of the text would indicate that God would make his people strong again. Fat, right? Not spiritually skinny and frail and you know weak, but like, you know, isn't it good that the Bible's like saying it's good to be fat? Ha <laughs> ha, that's awesome. Spiritually fat. I embrace that part. Awesome. <sighs> Who likes my shirt. Yeah, the one downsize is it's the biggest shirt I've ever owned. Pray for me. There's always positives and negatives in some things, right? We have no strength in ourselves, church. We can't transform lives by our own flesh. We have no strength in ourselves to do such a work against the enemy and the enemy's work. God did this in Israel, delivered uh, many people because of the anointing. The anointing. Now, why is this important when we're talking about atmosphere? For the work of God with the anointing breaks the yoke. Is everyone getting that? Hopefully, we're locking that in. I'm drilling into that. The work of God, the transformation work of God, changing people's lives, setting people free, taking them from the curse to blessing, from brokenness to blessing, right? All starts with the anointing. The anointing, the power of God, the work of God, the miracle, presence, glory of God. And an atmosphere for that to come to play an atmosphere of unity is needed for the anointing to flow so get ready because this is where I'm going to challenge you that you're personally responsible not just Pastor Sarah and I we're all personally responsible for protecting fostering an atmosphere of unity to help to usher in the very anointing that will equip us to do the work that God wants to do through us turn to the person next to you and say i'm personally responsible turn to the other person and say, I'm gonna finish that sentence, I'm personally responsible for fostering and protecting unity. So an an atmosphere for a vision that's exciting, a vision for us to build a house that has the power of God, the anointing of God as a catalyst to transform lives. What a great vision. For that to come to pass, and for a team to be built for that vision to come to pass, and for the anointing to be here and to develop and to grow, for the miracle power of God to work in the people's lives that need to be set free. For all of that to happen, we have to understand it's got to be all front of mind that God would call us to build an atmosphere of unity, to build a spirit of unity. And Psalm 133, it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil. Everyone say oil. So it's relating right here, unity to the anointing oil. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down. Notice the anointing coming from the head. Running down on the beard. Hey, I've got the beard today. (laughs) Running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. So the flow of the anointing, the movement of the anointing, the establishment of the anointing, the growth of the anointing, the work of the anointing. Who knows that God is a God who moves, right? The Holy Spirit moves. He carries the anointing. He does his miraculous work through the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. But unity is a massive, not one-off key, but a continuous key, as in we have to keep working. Do you know it's hard to build unity? Do you know it's easy? It's easy to build disunity. It is. You just have to be in the flesh, and you can start speaking off with your mouth and start sewing things that start to tear things down that God's work really hard to build. <laughs> How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the Jew of Hermon, which talks about fertility, growth, um, breakthrough, um, fruitfulness, transformation, life, new life, the Jew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there, the place where the anointing flows, the place where the anointing falls, the place where the anointing moves, for there, everyone say there, the Lord bestows his blessing, commands his blessing. What do we mean by blessing? From brokenness to blessing. The transformation of lives and not just people who are lost, but even Christians who maybe have been going around in the wilderness and still have to see a portion of their blessing manifest, even helping existing Christians to break into the new things of God in their life. Blessing, even life forevermore, that there's an, an eternal um, kind of trajectory. that the unity that fosters the moving of the anointing, that brings a command, a blessing, it's like a momentum towards the fact that we all get to live together permanently and we're all going to go to heaven. There's like a connection to an eternal purpose of seeing people being set free and seeing them being birthed into the kingdom of God and we all get blessed and there's a sense of unity and a sense of wonder about it. Is anyone here excited about that? Cool. Cool. So let me share a couple of thoughts about this, about unity. The Bible declares that the early church continued in one accord. They were unified in purpose and vision. They were intent on being of one mind and one heart so that God could be glorified. I know we've all heard the saying, united we stand, divided we fall. Who's heard that before? Yes. I'm just going to do some teaching here. Is that okay? So that is a true statement. When people are united, there is nothing that is impossible. The combined output of those who are united is much greater than the output of those who are divided. I'm just going to shift this here for a second. So when the people united together in Babel, and let's say Babel, to build a great city and tower, they did so to make a name for themselves. Okay, so their purpose, their agenda wasn't great. It wasn't a transform lives for the glory of God, it was to make themselves famous. But there's something that we can learn from this story in multiple ways. So everyone hone in because now we're gonna really dive into the end of this message and drill into the teaching. Even though their intent in Babel was wrong and evil, was very selfish. The Lord said this about them in Genesis 11, 6. This is the Lord's comment about them. And the Lord said, Indeed the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. So the people of the city were so um so united that the Lord said nothing that the purpose of these people, nothing that they purpose to do, let me say that again nothing that they purpose to do, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing that they purpose to do. You and I are purpose to collectively build a house that has an atmosphere where the anointing of God grows, builds, and flows to transform lives. And when we unite, God says, when we build not only a one-off spirit of unity, but when we protect it, when we build a culture where we really value unity, then God says that that purpose will not be restricted. Is anyone here catching this? So basically, he was saying uh, the world was their oyster. They could accomplish whatever they decided to do. This was all possible because of the unity that existed in the city and the people. Now, there are several parallels that can be seen in the Tower of Babel story that can be seen also when we discuss church unity and get into this teaching. The first parallel is the power of unified purpose. It is important for church members to unify around a common purpose and vision. When this takes place, the efforts of the church become like a rifle bullet. A bullet shot from a rifle carries all the energy and force united behind the bullet. And when believers unite around one common purpose, they have much greater impact. Who believes that? That's parallel number one. Okay? We get that. When we unite, we're more effective. We have more impact. Parallel number two is that confusion is the result of disunity. Paul said, because we know that with Babel, right, God then shifted their languages so they couldn't really understand each other and then it brought confusion and it undid their work, right, because it wasn't godly work, that's why he did it. But who knows that we're called to do godly work. So when we build unity, he's not going to undo it, he's going to continue to strengthen it with us. So another parallel is that confusion, 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 confusion. Has anyone been feeling maybe a little bit confused? Is the result of disunity. Now, let me say this. I'm not standing here thinking, oh, my goodness, our church really needs the word unity. Okay. This is not a reactive message. This is a proactive message. You hearing what I'm saying? I'm not here with the motive going, oh, my goodness, we really need to bring this to you. Because we're all really not united. We actually have a really great sense of unity in this house. But I think God needs to awaken us to be more deliberate, more intentional, and warn us of when we have a tendency to maybe not foster unity, that there are serious consequences. He's awakening us to, to, to take responsibility, to go to a new level of maturity. So another parallel is that confusion is the result of disunity. Paul said, where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. When anyone in the church is envious, I want everyone to listen in here. When anyone in the church is envious, which means despising someone else for what they have or the position they hold, or self-seeking, which is wanting everything done their way, (laughs) and to their liking, they function in an evil manner. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, ah. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm eating spiritual Brussels sprouts right now. (laughs) It's not sweet candy, but oh, it's good for me. This is what Paul teaches. Let me say this here. Paul said, where there is envy and strife, There is confusion and every evil work. So when anyone in the church is envious starting to despise someone else for what they have or what they're breaking into or the position they hold, that can create envy or strife. Or self-seeking, wanting everything done their way and to their liking. They function in an evil manner. They start to walk in disunity. And it starts in their heart. And as church members, it is all our responsibility to protect the integrity of the unity within our congregation. Why? Not because unity is just a nice thing, because unity builds an atmosphere that fosters, protects, and builds the anointing. And the anointing is what breaks the yoke and transforms lives. It takes people from brokenness to blessing, it commands a blessing. It brings. Ooh, <laughs> see, we're not aware you can trip, right? It brings a commanded blessing. It brings the commanded purpose of the manifestation of the promise of the call, the anointing designed to bring. Another parallel, number three. I'm going to ask. Um, I'm going to ask. Um, just some of that. Yeah, maybe just Sophia. It's fine. Thank you, Sophia. Let's give her a round of applause. She <laughs> another parallel can be seen in the issue of misunderstanding where God came down to confuse the language of Babel. The Bible declares that they did not understand one another. They didn't understand one another. They started to misread each other. They started to not sense their heart for one another. When someone maybe said something, someone didn't understand it and didn't get it. And I want you to, I want you to see this sequence: envy and strife produces confusion, and confusion results in misunderstanding. In Ephesians four three, Paul said to labour which means to work, intentionally put your mind and heart to it, to labor, to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Unity requires for everyone to put on their big boy and big girl pants (laughs) and grow up mature, Believers must move beyond touchy. When someone is touchy, that means easily offended. Nothing can be said to them or any adjustment made within their life without them getting offended. That they cease to walk in love because love is not touchy, easily offended. Unity releases great blessing in the church. First is Scripture in Psalm 133. First is Scripture declares it is is pleasant. In Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is pleasant. Everyone say pleasant. When we are at peace with others, it is pleasant and good. When someone is at war with another... It is never pleasant. To live constantly agitated, frustrated, is not living. It is surviving. And God has designed us to live in pleasantry and peace, not agitation. We also see in this scripture how unity produces the anointing. Throughout the word of God, we see God doing powerful things in the midst of those were unified. On the day of Pentecost they were all in one accord in one place. They were operating in unity and all those who were in unity were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. They were baptized in the dunamis power of God. They were equipped to build the church and it all started with building an atmosphere Of unity at the dedication of Solomon's temple the musicians and singers began to make one sound in thanking the Lord and then the glory of the Lord filled the temple so the priests could not even stand can I tell you that when I was ministered to a couple of weeks ago standing here with Sarah on a Saturday night, and I had our leaders behind us, and I'm reenacting what happened. I'm saying this to God. God, I'm I'm falling here. I don't want to fall. So I said to God, and God said, "I'm not going to let you fall. Your team are behind you. They got your back." That's what God said to me in that moment. They got you back. Chill. But God said also this, because I'm saying, well, that's cool, God, I'm not going to fall. But God, I just want to come forward. Can you just let me, because it was kind of like I'm on my heels and my toes are lifting up. right? And I'm holding Sarah's hand. And I'm like, and God said, no, I'm not going to let you come forward. I've got you pinned. It's the weight of my glory pouring upon you because I want you to listen to me. I've got you pinned. I want you to listen to me because I'm pouring my glory upon you, I'm pouring my anointing upon you for a brand new season. So be okay to be a little bit uncomfortable, Brad, because I'm moving. So your people have got your back, unity. And so you can be comfortable because the glory of the Lord is being poured out. Unity. Fosters an atmosphere where the anointing and the glory can pour out to equip us for the work of the ministry. So then the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So the priests could not even stand. The glory of God was manifested and they operated in unity. Unity will release the glory. So the three things specifically stated is unity will release these three things. It's pleasant. It produces the anointing. And the glory of God comes. These three amazing things lead to the final part of the scripture which says, and unity will release and command the blessing of God. For there the Lord commands the blessing." The church that will operate in the spirit of unity will have God manifest his power and glory there to bring transformation to lives. The spirit of unity is necessary for a church to become strong. Not necessarily large, but strong. Spiritually healthy, moving and flowing in his life-changing power. And as we labor, as we work intentionally for the unity of the spirit, mighty and powerful things will happen in our church. And God's saying, I want you to intentionally be united to build an atmosphere, transform lives, to help people to go from brokenness to blessing. Let's stand. The worship can come. Can I ask just I'm gonna get you just to stay in your seats but as we come to a close. Just as you're staying in your seats, just if you could if you don't mind just grabbing the hand of the person left to and right, just sort of holding hands. I want you to just close your eyes. Allow the Lord to minister to you today. Allow his goodness and his grace to touch your life. Holy Spirit, I pray for that river right now. I pray for that river to flow flow in this place. We ask you to to look at our hearts. We ask for your help, God. Help us, Lord. be united and help us to make a decision today that we we take on the responsibility we say yes God I hear your voice, I hear your word God I am willing God I'm willing I'm willing to build unity I'm willing to protect unity in this house. I'm willing, God. Father, help us. Help us to yield to you. Work in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are such a good God, such a loving God. Lord, we cry out to you today. We say, God, we want you. We want we want your anointing. We want your glory. We want want you to equip us, to equip this house, to build, to build an atmosphere that's just flooded with the very presence of yourself, God. That would carry an anointing to break the yokes. To break bondages. of our lives, and the people that you're gonna bring here. Oh, we want you. We want that intimacy. Thank you, God, that you're stirring a new appetite for your goodness. That you're helping us to grow in hunger. there as we have a time just to focus on you, to look at your face, to adore you, to worship you as the team just leads us in worship.